Hello, and welcome to Episode 9 of the Screaming in Silence podcast, an accidental inspiration. For most of us, severe pain is thankfully a fleeting experience, but for some, like myself, it's a permanent companion. For the past 25 years, everything I have done or experienced has been accompanied by chronic pain. Yet, to the surprise of most, I consider myself one of the luckiest people alive, and I'm thankful for this journey. Through this podcast series, I'll share with you my story and the insights I have gained that have allowed me this perspective. Welcome back. At the end of last week's episode, I made a commitment I knew I'd question, but I made it to force my hand. Once it was out there, I couldn't go back. I committed to doing an episode on being seen as inspiring. Over the years, I've been called many things, most of which I can't repeat on the show as it's family friendly. The one thing I've been called though that was the hardest to accept is that of being called inspirational. No doubt this sounds at odds with what you've heard and read so far of my experience. After all, it's one of the taglines I use in describing my journey on my website and podcast. I've even talked a few times on being inspirational and the rewards that brings. It's only been in the last five to six years that I've come to accept this description, and very recently that I learned to embrace it. Although only because, like my pain and disability, I found I had no choice. It has obviously taken me much longer to arrive at this place in my life than it did with adapting to being in pain. You see, I don't view myself as being special or better than anyone else who walks this planet. Rather, I think I have a lot to learn from everyone, that my perspective, while healthy, is still a narrow one. When it comes to how I have adapted to my pain and disability, I have always figured anyone in my situation would do the same. Time after time though, when people have heard my story or seen my actions, I've been told I was inspiring. Of course, I just brushed this off, replying that anyone would do the same that I have done. And let's be completely honest, many people have and continue to do so. We don't have to look far to find people who faced with life's difficulties have overcome the odds and exceeded themselves in what they have chosen to do, and achieved greatness as a result. As I've learned though, that shouldn't make my achievements any less worthy. A turning point for me in my journey with how I view myself came from a meeting with a therapist I was seeing a few years ago. He was complimenting me on my ability to cope with my situation, and how I had also inspired him with certain aspects of his own life. Once again, I brushed this aside. However, this time I got challenged on my position. I was told that I was doing a disservice to not only myself by disregarding what was said, but also to him. The analogy I was given was that of someone buying you a gift and you refusing to receive it. When we are given a gift, it is a good feeling for all involved, the person receiving and the one giving. We all know how nice it feels when we see the happy reaction on our friends' or loved ones' faces when they unwrap that present. Well, hopefully it's happy. It means a lot to us that our actions are received well. What I was in effect doing was denying the giver of the gift that happiness. It all made sense now, that when someone pays you a genuine compliment, you are obligated to accept that compliment. Someone has given you something of themselves. I may not have seen what I was doing as being worthy of recognition, but this was not all about me. That experience was one of the two I mentioned in episode 6, Living the Lucky Life. The second was with another institute that specialises in physical disabilities. I was there to have a check-up of how I was coping with the physical changes and demands my paralysed arm presents. However, they also dealt with the emotional and mental struggles of chronic pain. During a discussion with the psychologist there, he mentioned to me that my approach was exactly what they tried to teach people who struggled with pain, but that they often faced an uphill battle doing this. This approach being the one of mindfulness, of not only accepting adversity, 
but embracing it, of knowing there is no danger associated with my pain, that despite the warning signals my brain was trying to give me, everything was okay and that I'm safe. Once again, through sheer ignorance, I deflected his compliment and laughed when he suggested that had I had the correct qualifications, they'd hire me to help. I don't think this impressed him much, and at our next meeting he told me that I was to attend a group pain therapy session. Being that, like so many others, I'm not entirely comfortable in groups of strangers, I wasn't exactly enamoured with this idea, but if it was to be a part of my therapy then I would oblige, and hey, I might just learn something. As I would discover, I most certainly did, but not what I expected. The day of the session arrived, and I took my seat at a group of tables that were arranged in a U-shape. There would have been around 25 people in the room, some with obvious ailments and some who looked perfectly fine. When the person running the session arrived, the idle chit-chat stopped, and we all had to introduce ourselves and explain why we were there. I cannot remember the exact conditions that people suffered, but I did note that I was the only one with a spinal cord injury. With the introductions out of the way, it was then an open floor for people to discuss their situations, the difficulties they faced and treatments they had sought. I listened to their stories and heard some horrific experiences, but also felt that there was a lot of focus on the past in the room. With the open floor policy, when someone felt they had a finger of blame to point at maybe their doctor or ACC, our national accident insurer, anyone they felt deserving, this was quickly backed up by any number of voices who expressed the same sentiments. I listened to this for around 45 minutes, but realised we weren't making any steps forward. I felt the need to speak up. Being sensitive to the fact that we should not judge someone without walking in their shoes, I was diplomatic with my words, making sure that I only spoke on my behalf. I said how I too had been frustrated at some of the treatment I had received, but that for me there was no point in dwelling on the past, as that was out of my control. Instead, I felt I'd better serve myself by focusing on the here and now. I talked of embracing the changes in my life, of using the pain to grow and make myself stronger, of living a life as active as I could and being thankful for what I have experienced, and not wanting to change anything, just looking forward, not back. As I spoke, I gauged the reaction on people's faces and saw a mixture of responses. Some were indifferent, paying little attention to what I had to say. Some listened intently, seemingly captivated with my views, but I noticed the majority looked puzzled, as though my perspective was completely alien. Satisfied that I'd got my view across, I finished my turn. Not long after, the session was wrapped up and we were sent on our way. As we filed out of the room, I saw the psychologist standing off to the side. He signalled me over, so I went to speak to him. How is that, he asked. Unsure of how to answer this question, I told him that it was interesting, but as the old saying goes, if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. I did say, however, that there was a lot of suffering in that room, and a lot of people appeared to be stuck in a rut, but I quickly qualified that statement by saying that I don't know their stories, and that many of them may have faced much harder battles than I have, and be dealing with worse circumstances. He looked at me and smiled, then told me the following. He said he did not send me to that session to learn more about pain management, he sent me there to learn more about myself. He told me he knew their stories and their ailments, and that I did have it worse than any of those present that day, but that I was the only one who had my attitude, my approach. I thought to myself, well done you crafty son of a gun, you got me. I'd just been taught an important lesson, one that really sunk in. I left that building with my head held high that day. Not through arrogance, of feeling that I was better than anyone, most definitely not, but because I now realise that I see things differently compared to many others in my situation. Years later, I would come to learn something else about that session, something that would help to set about a change in my life. 
So, what did I do with this newfound perspective of self? Did I immediately embark on a journey of telling my story? Did I put myself out there and share the gift I had? Well, no. While I now accepted that I thought differently to a lot of chronic pain sufferers, I still did not view myself as an inspiring person. I haven't climbed mountains, swum across oceans, or excelled in sporting events with my pain and disability. None of the activities I would view as inspirational. I was still just me, doing well, but nothing extraordinary. For sure I was now able to accept compliments from people who admired what I have achieved. If people asked, I was happy to share. But it's not like I went and started a podcast about it. There would be one more significant event that would change my mind on sharing my story. This would be very close to home, as close as you could get. When my youngest daughter was age 12, she, along with the rest of her classmates, had to write a story on who they were, what lives they lived, and who their family was. One night at dinner she told us what she had written, which included an entire section on me and my pain, my disability, and how I was her inspiration. This was the same girl who four years earlier had come into my room and woken me to say, it's okay that you scream in your sleep daddy, you're in pain and it's not your fault. She didn't need me to climb mountains or swim across oceans. She made me realise that those achievements weren't necessary to everyone, that sometimes we just need someone we can relate to to be uplifted. I know all my children feel this way. I may have inspired them, but they have also inspired me to see the true value in my words and actions. If there was any area of my life that I did recognise as being inspirational, it would be what I have achieved by returning to riding motorcycles. I know the last episode was solely on this topic, but it was more of a timeline on events rather than a factor in me seeing myself in a different light. Just recently, there was a joke going around on social media. It goes like this. A wife asks her husband what he would rather lose, an arm or a leg. He said he'd rather lose a leg so he can still ride a motorcycle. She replies that a friend's husband said leg too, but so he can still hug his wife. He replies saying, well, clearly he doesn't ride motorcycles. Now it is only a joke, but I absolutely love it, because I, along with many other riders in my situation, have proven it wrong. I now can do things on my bike that I couldn't when I had two arms. Sure, I used to be able to do small wheelies with both arms, but I never could have wheelied the one kilometre long straight at our local racetrack like I can now. Another thing I could never do when I had both arms was do what's called stoppies, or endos. To those who don't know what I mean, this is when you apply the front brakes with such force that the back of the bike lifts off the ground. I'm not talking little hops when you come to a complete stop, no I'm talking rolling at 80km an hour, roughly 50mph, and hitting the brakes hard enough to lift the back wheel 3 feet off the ground and roll along on the front wheel. That's nearly 200kg, about 440 pounds, of machine balanced on the front wheel, held up by only one arm, not only held up, but keeping the bike tracking straight. Not too many two-armed people are willing to try this, probably because they're not as stupid as me, but it was another part of my Mount Everest ascent, I needed to find out if I could. I can lift my motorcycle onto its side stand and pivot it around 180 degrees to make turns in a tight spot easier. I've done this and then seen other riders looking on in disbelief. I've seen people comment on photos of riders taking their left hand off the bar mid-corner or mid-wheelie, marvelling at this, and I think to myself, that's how I always do it. Doing all this and more on a high-powered performance bike has inspired riders, both those with disabilities and those without. I never really dismissed this ability other than to say I had no choice. It really is an uplifting feeling for me when I get complimented on my riding ability, because while it has come mostly naturally, it has required overcoming doubt and fear. It has taken work and dedication. 
Finally, in late 2022, I decided I should listen to the people telling me to share my story instead of the voice inside my head saying not to. Not because I want people to think I'm someone special, I made that clear at the beginning of this episode that I don't, and that is still very much true. Instead, I decided to create this podcast to be a vehicle to get my message out to those that need to hear it. I felt an obligation to not keep what I have learnt to myself, to share it so that maybe just one other person can find hope within themselves by hearing my journey. Also, to get my story to those I know deserve to hear it, I'm speaking of my children. They too will face struggles in life, like all of us, and how unfair it would be to deny them maybe a piece of pertinent advice that may help them. I have said it many times prior, including before this podcast came about, that if only one person can benefit from my story, then my journey of living with pain and what it has taught me becomes incredibly worthwhile. I have had the fortune and great pleasure of learning so much the past 25 years, learnings that may have otherwise passed me by, and it would indeed be selfish to not share them. Keeping what I've learned to myself wouldn't benefit anyone. I've experienced them, I already know them, so I need to pass them on. Even though doing this has made me step out of my comfort zone, put me into the spotlight a little, no bad can come of it. I was going to title this episode, The Reluctant Inspiration, because I thought that best described my position. However, as I thought harder about it as I shaped this episode, I realised I was wrong. I'm not reluctant. Well, not any longer. I now see myself as an accidental inspiration. I never set out to be an example of positive pain management or overcoming disability. I just did what I needed to do to have the best life I could. If that, by accident, turns out to inspire people, then I embrace that now. I want to see people who are struggling find it within themselves to also live the best life they can. If they can use my experiences to help themselves, and I know many have, then I'll wear that label of inspiration with pride and honour. Going back to that group therapy session I attended all those years ago, I never felt like I was better than anyone in that room, but I never stopped to think about what I could do to contribute. While the feeling in that room was one of being stuck in a rut, it wasn't as though the people themselves were negative. They were just struggling, struggling with the heaviness that being in constant pain brings. I've seen this also in chronic pain support groups, finding that there are a lot of people who face difficulties with the changes in their lives. These people are strong. You have to be to endure what they have. They are warriors. But still, they face demanding circumstances. I now feel that I have a role to play, using my show to give a different perspective to those that live with pain and to give greater understanding to those that don't. I am by no means better than those that struggle. I'm just at a different part of the journey compared to where they might be. Just as it took me a long time to become comfortable with being seen as inspiring to some, it's taken me just over 25 years to become comfortable enough to talk about me with complete strangers, heck, even with friends and family. We all have adversity, obstacles in life to overcome. No one gets through this existence scar-free. We all live lives of inspiration. But it's easy to forget that, instead constantly dwelling on thoughts of what is holding us back or stopping us from being who we want to be. I'm not saying it's wrong to complain or that we shouldn't. We are only human and sometimes we just need to vent our frustrations. But I believe it needs to be more than countered by taking action to improve our situation if possible. Otherwise it is wasted energy. Energy that could be better used to improve our quality of life. Please bear in mind when I say this that I am far from perfect. I'm a continual work in progress myself. I'll leave you with this. As I said, none of us get through this life without earning a few scars. But because of the very fact that we all have struggles and adversity, hardship and pain, we all live lives of inspiration. 
Thank you for taking the time to be a part of my journey again. For next week's episode, I'm going to discuss what I call my time thief, what pain takes most from me. Constant pain steals a lot from us. Independence, freedom, relationships, opportunities, income and time. So much more as well. While I've expressed how much I've got from being in pain, I feel it's important to address what it takes from so many chronic pain sufferers. Don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think would benefit from it. You can use my website, onewingkiwi.com, to do that. If you're also happy to leave a review on the platform you listen to it on, that would help so much. And don't forget, you can support the show via my Patreon, which you can find a link to at onewingkiwi.com. Until next time, have a great week, take care, and see you soon.